0: Hello and welcome to FYR, or For Your Reconsideration, as it's otherwise known. The film podcast that searches high and low for potentially great films in the lost backstage areas of cinema. Oh look, here's a dressing room. Let's check in here. Will it be a lost movie treasure, or just getting his (laughs) by (laughs) Oh
1: heavily edited that I assume is going to be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh mate, how are you? You okay?
1: Yes, I'm very well, thank you.
0: Excellent, excellent. It's just you and me again tonight. Our uh, uh, our brother Simon is a uh, busy, busy, busy man at the moment, uh, but so we're flying missing man formation, but we send him all our love. Um, so what have you been watching, James?
1: Oh, all sorts I've been absolutely swilling in the weeks that we've been off, Excellent. so uh we're sort of recording this um towards the end of November, and uh the last month or so has been absolutely aces on the big screen, so um you know, I saw Killers of the Flower Moon and the killer uh they're both mm. ace watched them. there's nothing else really to be said about those films. I feel like they've been discoursed to death. If you like those directors, <laughs> you'll you'll like those movies. That's all I, all I can really say, to be honest. Um, but I wanted to touch on a couple that maybe won't get the same plaudits, but have had um, good critical receptions, and um, uh, two that I was very impressed with. So the first one I wanted to start with was Anatomy of a Fall. So mm. have you heard of this film, Rob?
0: Mm, I have, but please continue.
1: Yes so uh me and uh Mrs S we had a night off uh from our from our young little apple of our eye. Uh mm. he went over for a sleepover at his grandma's so we thought what should we do we've got the night off. Let's go and watch a two and a half hour French courtroom drama on the big screen. <laughs> so we did and um and that film was Anatomy of the Fall which lures the uh audience in with the prospect of a tantalizing true crime adjacent setup. Before evolving into something more incisive and emotionally raw, as the disin- disintegration of a marriage is laid bare for judgment in what turns out to be a free-for-all French court. French court is mad, by the way. Just a quick sidebar on that. <laughs> really? Like, oh, back and forth between the between the solicitors, just having a bit of a debate in the middle of. <laughs> People could just come in and just throw up their own spurious conspiracies and what they think without any evidence or being checked (laughs) by the judge absolutely mad it looks like the right laugh to be fair not if you're on the trial but uh but yeah um everybody seems to be having a lovely old time apart from the defendant Um, excellent so anyway uh sandra hula uh, who I, i believe that's how you pronounce that uh, she's a German actress. She delivers a towering performance as a woman in the midst of a media circus, attempting to prove her innocence and hold it together, not just for herself, but for her son. And bear in mind, she is not a native French speaker. So it's even more uh, high stakes, the courtroom wow. scenes for her because she can only really communicate with people who also speak English. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's very tricky for her. The ambiguity of the film may frustrate those in search of concrete answers. However, much like the dysfunctional marriage at the heart of the film, things are not always cut and dry. It's mm. a powerful and prestigious courtroom drama in which the instrumental from 50 Cent's PIMP has a surprisingly large role to play. And I do wonder if Curtis has seen it yet.
0: Whoa! That was not what I was expecting to <laughs> make was I when the,
1: when the huge instrumental was like... A key plot point essentially.
0: What? This is amazing. Um <laughs> I do love, you know, um hip hop instrumentals and other takes on on hip hop music. I, I listened to quite a bit um Beetle the Bard on uh is it Beetle the Bard? No, I'm not sure it's Beetle the Bard.
1: Beetle the Bard? What's it called?
0: Beatles are not Beatles about. Um, anyway, this person is uh, does whoever it is does uh, medieval versions of famous hip hop songs.
1: Oh, incredible!
0: Which is so ace, by the way. If you've not heard "Still Dry on a harpsichord, then
1: is that like when you go to a wedding reception and they have hip hop in like classical on classical instruments? You know, while you're having the it, wedding it breakfast. It must be. Yeah, yeah.
0: Except medieval, which is an even weirder. <laughs> Combination. <laughs> um very, very cool. I'd love to see that. Uh, what well, anything else? Yes, I do want to
1: shout this out. Um so you you may be aware, Rob, or maybe you're not. We've had a new Nicolas Cage picture drop in the last week. And I wouldn't be me if I hadn't gone to see it on the big screen while well, it was playing for the one week that it was out. Um, So the film is called Dream Scenario, which is an inventive and razor-sharp Kafka-esque satire that skillfully skewers the nature of self-obsession, modern celebrity, advertising, cultural movements, and public shaming. Cage is pitch-perfect, delivering an egoless turn as a regular Joe who unwittingly becomes the most famous person on Earth. It's a perfect vehicle for the Nickster, with the film playing into everything that Cage is strongest at as a performer, and also giving him the opportunity to sort of play a relatable, everyday sort of average Joe. Um, The film itself loses its footing slightly in the final act when it full bores into influencer culture. However, this takes little away from a film that is excruciatingly funny, and fairly savage takedown of the strange times in which we live. Uh, the direct, the writer and director, who is a Norwegian bloke called Christopher Borgly, which I'm sure I've just completely butchered, is definitely a, t- a talent to keep an eye on. Uh, also, one of the m- most uncomfortable non-sex scenes I have ever seen <laughs> in my life. <laughs> but yeah, now it's uh, very much in the... Cage register of um, adaptation. Do you remember when he made adaptation where he played the two versions of Charlie Kaufman? It's sort of in that kind of arena. And he's very good. He's put a big paunch on. He's got a bald cap and a cul-de-sac haircut and a big beard. And yeah, he's really leaned into it. Very good. Very good movie. I enjoyed it.
0: I'd, I'd absolutely love to see this, actually. Um, he is coming up with some seriously good stuff at the minute, I think. Um, oh, yeah, but he's, he's we'll, back in
1: we'll... now. Because like, he's not having to make yeah. quite as much as he was a few years ago. Now he can shoot, Although, having said that, I saw Renfield earlier this year, and that was one of the worst films I've seen all year. Not because of him, just because really. it's a bad movie. Um, mm. But, yeah, I think he is allowing himself to be a little bit more selective now. And this is... Mm-hmm distributed by A24 who also have a good keen eye and work with with good emerging talent as well um so yeah I really enjoyed it I thought he was very good
0: wicked absolutely wicked um some really good shouts there James um adding being added to my watch list that inevitably will never get watched (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but but the cage one I definitely want to try and catch that um do you have any others no that is it for now
1: Um, excellent yeah but yeah obviously the killer is obviously on netflix as we speak Mm. and killers of the flower moon will be on apple at some point before the end of the year i believe
0: yes yes um i'd love to see both of them but i just can't get the well especially killers of the flower moon (laughs) i can't get out to the movies for that length of time um (laughs) but i have been watching all sorts myself so i've been plowing on with yellowstone um, yep. I don't think anyone in the world probably says it more northern, I think. <laughs> than Yellowstone. Yellowstone. Um, and I'm about halfway through season two, and goodness gracious me, it's really kicked off. Yes. Um And it was one of those moments where last night I was like, I really should go to bed, but I have to see another. Um yeah, yeah. So it's it's really got it's hooked into, hooks into me, which is brilliant. Um, I watched. I've been wanting to watch it for absolutely av- uh, ages. The uh, the Netflix. I don't know whether it's a Netflix original. Do you call it that? Um, it's a Netflix film. Um, troll, or as they as I couldn't stop saying after the trailer, troll. Um, <laughs> <laughs> have you seen this, James?
1: No, I haven't. It is on my watch list. It's been there forever, to be
0: honest. I, I've got to be honest, I flipping loved it. I mean, obviously, I'm, you know, big creature stuff, you know, yeah. I'm I'm a sucker for that. But um, I thought the effects were outstanding. Um, I really love the fact that it's like fully a Norwegian movie, you know. Um, so Norwegian um, uh, director as well in Roar Uthaug, Um, And Norwegian star in Enit Marie Wilman, who I really hope I've not done disservices to both of those people with those pronunciations. Wow, big shout out
1: for the Norwegians on this pod.
0: Yeah, it was wicked. Um, Really, really good and super exciting. And the scale and excitement of it and a whole new myth for like a more sort of like Western Europe audience to sort of chew on was really good, really, really liked it. And I think, you know, if the public, I don't know really where it sits in terms of revenue or whether it could qualify for us, but I think we'd all get a kick out of this watching it on here. Um, So I might bring that back. So that's a big recommendation from me. Um, Obviously, something new has been released in the world of James Bond. And um, I tried to convince myself to watch it because... Being part of the Really 007 podcast, one of our sister podcasts, it's sort of it's something I should do. Is to be at the forefront of this, and so I switched on Prime, ready to ready to dig in. And then there was the Road to a Million poster. It's called Road to a Million. You know, I mean, this is what they've so done instead lazy. of
1: it's, it's so lazy. This is
0: what they've done instead of actually making a James Bond film, which is. I don't even know where to begin. But anyway, um, I'll save the bile for something else. Um, so I look at the poster. I'm like, am I really going to press on this? And then the poster next to it was for the Nick Cage film Butcher's Crossing. <laughs> oh, right. And it was like, well, I'm not doing that. Forget that. I'm putting on this Cage movie. And the front, the cover of it was like Cage with, again, he's gone full. He's got full shaven head. He's got a chrome, chromed out head. And it looked like a chromed-out jacket as well in a full Western. It was... Right, I'm watching that. And I thought it was excellent, to be honest. Oh, it's on my list.
1: I can't wait. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was totally excellent.
0: Um, Directed by Gabe Polsky. Um, Cage, if you... I mean, this is like... If you like Cage and you like the lengths he goes to, if I could just say that he plays a totally obsessed uh, hunter slash trapper in sort of the, the prairies of bygone America hunting for that, you know, that mythical massive herd of bison and it all goes wrong and he goes mad. <laughs> like, sign me up immediately. It's, oh, I, I thought it was really sort of well like made. The hunt
1: for Bigfoot Jason, Like, no, it really. is. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> But see, oh, no, Cage was so inventive. It was great. It was absolutely great, and I loved it. And I also wanted to shout out as well, um, Fred Heckinger um, was in this as well as sort of like a, an understudy kind of character, um, and he was excellent in this as well. Um, must have been quite a shoot, this, because, you know, there are some very, very severe wintry scenes um, oh, right. that okay, look cool. jolly cold, Um but it's great, and you never quite know what's going to happen next, um, and I enjoyed it a great, great deal. Um, so I would recommend that too. Oh, um, fantastic. Yeah. What a great time uh,
1: for a, to be at the movies, because as well, yeah. you've got a new Ridley Scott coming out today as we, uh, mm. as we talk, and Ridley has been on his usual <laughs> <laughs> scorched earth. Like, Have you seen some of the quotes that have come out? Yes, I
0: have. I must admit I have, yes.
1: Yeah, well, basically, he's going to historians. Well, you weren't there, so why don't you shut the fuck up? Right, that that was one of my favourites. It's like, I'm not sure that works with historians. That's sort of what they do is try and piece the past together. And then he said how people in France had been um, been criticizing Napoleon, and this is probably the funniest thing he's ever said. It's like, oh, the French don't even like themselves. So he's like still a virtuosic filmmaker. Who can be given like two hundred million dollars to make a Napole- uh, Napoleonic epic, but then he still rants <laughs> like your mad uncle on Facebook as well
0: at the same time. <laughs> yes, I love that. Like the marketing and PR team, like so, the new Ridley Scott's coming out. Do are we going to do press junkets for this one, <laughs> or should we just should we just move gracefully on to the actual movie coming out? <laughs> I do love it. I love the effort he goes to, but like there is absolutely no reason in the world at this point he needs to be making an immense Napoleon biopic. Oh no. But he's he halfway
1: through halfway through shooting Gladiator 2 as well, as we speak. Is he? <laughs> he said he's cut half of it together.
0: Who's who's in Gladiator 2?
1: Uh, Paul Mescal is in uh, Gladiator 2, who is an upcoming Irish actor. Yeah. up-and-coming Irish actor. Denzel Washington, I believe, is in Gladiator 2. Yes. What? I don't know who he's playing. Um, obviously, no Russell Crowe, unfortunately.
0: Sadly, although I had forgotten what happened in Gladiator, and I nearly asked whether he was returning.
1: <laughs> well, the thing was, if Maximus was back, he's like, "Oh Ridley, I've had a had a really good idea about Maximus's evolution over the years." It's like, okay, all right, Russ. Yeah, go go for it. It's like, what if? What if? And just stay with me here. What if it just eaten a load of food? Sorry, what do you mean? Like, you know, he just got really fat. (laughs) That is Russell Crowe's take on every single character that he plays now. So, you're the Pope's exorcist. Yeah, I love the character, it's really good. He he does exorcisms on behalf of the Pope, but what if?
0: (laughs) James, this accent's incredible.
1: (laughs) What if? He's just eaten a load of food. Well, anything is No, just everything. He's into seafood. He seafoods and he fucking eats it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it. So, uh... yeah, I'm
1: I'm sad that uh, Max... I mean, if you know the ending of Gladiator, it mm. isn't possible for Maximus to come back. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> but uh, it would have been nice to see big, fat Maximus back in the... <laughs> Back in the chainmail. <laughs>
0: oh, outstanding, outstanding. Um, sadly, there, there was one more thing that I wanted to bring. up. Oh, sorry, uh, sorry, I interrupted. No, myself. no, so, I say diatribe. sadly because it's no, I, I, I would much rather have stayed in Fat Maximus world, um, <laughs> to be honest. Um, because Fatsimus. I'll have to discuss this one. I'll have to take us to Bigfoot Corner. Bigfoot Corner. So, Expedition Bigfoot finished um, a couple of weeks ago, and it was a curtailed series of eight episodes. And I think, James, you would have cried laughing at the end episode, because I didn't know it was the end episode. And it was just going along, they were following a creature, um, (laughs) following this creature, fabulous stuff going on um scenery was insane they went onto a glacier to look for it and the it was all edited like it was all heating up like oh yeah look oh there's something over there blah, 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 they run over there and they go oh yeah these could be footprint blah, 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 they go do you know what we need we need a helicopter and a helicopter you know comes down and, <laughs> and takes them off to go flying around the glacier And I'm thinking, whoa, the budget's gone. This is amazing. They're definitely going to find him now. And they flew around. (laughs) And they just, like, it just had lots and lots of, you know, shots of them looking out the window and a bit of scenery. And then the tone started to change. And there was a somberness. And then it was like, you know, unfortunately this time, they didn't find him. And they all, like, the helicopter landed. They all packed their bags and went home. (laughs) I like that. <laughs> what? Why? What? Honestly, I, I get back I
1: in the woods. Once... not fathom it. You've you've got unfinished business here. Get back out there and find that Sasquatch.
0: <laughs> and, and worse than that, like it went out with such a whimper. Like there was this, you know, we found so much evidence that will really change the way science around Bigfoot. Have you? When? <laughs> Where? I don't I don't remember any of this, and and then it just ended. And then, like, at the end of the season before, it had come up with, you know, expedition Bigfoot will return. You know, well, there's none of that here. I think it's over. I think it's been <laughs> cancelled, Rob. I think, I think <laughs> it's been cancelled. I think the helicopter, they blew the budget on the helicopter <laughs> trying to fly over a glacier to find this thing. And they never did. And just got, came home and that's it. Sorry, lads, we don't even have enough for sandwiches now. we just got to get in the, get in the vans and go home. <laughs> But we do have applications for you all to start working in the Amazon Processing Centre just down the road. <laughs> uh, Um So it, it's, you know, I, and to be honest, I was so distraught by the ending of this. Oh, the amount um, of time
1: you've put into this, almost as much as the people who made the programme, Rob, because let's be honest, you're the only person <laughs> in the UK
0: watching it. So, yeah, it's with a total whimper, I'm afraid, that we, we back out um, to the main road, having spent... Well, not even any time at all, really, in Bigfoot Corner. Oh. Bigfoot Corner. I think,
1: James, you can tell I'm rather put out. Yeah, I can see. I hope you' all right. You know, we have a laugh. <laughs> yeah, we have okay. a laugh. But I feel, I feel genuinely sad for you that the uh, the flag bearers of the hunt for Bigfoot have seen, seen, seemingly, slung it in.
0: It, it, I mean, it does look that way. Um, I've looked everywhere for uh, another series, whether it will come out. But you know what? After that, that way, that one finished. I don't even know whether I'll bother.
1: Oh no, this isn't. This the could Rob be the I end. Know. Oh dear, this
0: is this isn't the <laughs> robbie <unit. laughs> This could be it, mate. This could be it. Um, but there was another fabulous woodland-based movie that I watched uh, very, very recently. And I believe it's to do with your choice tonight, James. Yes, yeah.
1: We'll find we're will find we going to spend some time with a good hunter in the woods here. <laughs> yeah? This guy's not pissing around. Should we do a log line? Yes, please. Okay, so two haunted veterans with terrible taste in moccasins venture into the woods and, spoilers, attempt to shiv the living crap out of one another. The film is, of course, William Friedkin's brutal, stripped-back thriller, The Hunted*. I will teach you how to kill. Quickly, accurately, efficiently.
0: The physical part will be easy. The difficult part is learning how to turn it off. The two men were found half a mile from here. They were killed with a hatchet in a ritualistic fashion.
1: He didn't use a hatchet, he used a knife. At this point, we're not sure how many killers there were. This one? Well, you're saying that one guy with a knife killed those two hunters? Yeah. His name is Aaron Hallam, Sergeant First Class. Here.
0: What's your relationship to Hallam?
1: I trained him. I trained him to survive. I trained him to kill. Most of the people he killed never knew he was in the same room with them. battle stress has become so deep it is a part of his personality and it's impossible to reverse I made him what he is and I can stop him
0: 4 bravo 6 I'm at the girlfriend's residence
1: are looking for a man named Aaron Hallam?
0: Ms. Kravitz, is he still here?
1: what has Aaron done?
0: you gotta leave here, you're in danger why
1: am I in danger?
0: they'll come here and burn this house down
1: get on the floor, now!
0: If you cross this line, you better be ready to kill me. Release him, man! Release him now! Command this is number two. We have an agent down. Sector Red! Sector Red! You
1: better decide now what's an acceptable body kill That's what you're gonna get if you let these guys declare war on my boy. Me.
0: So, <clears throat> I mean, we the haunted James, what made you decide to bring this to this parish? Um, So,
1: we have covered Friedkin before. We did Sorcerer way back when, which is one of my favourite films of all time. Uh, I love Friedkin, and unfortunately he passed away earlier this year. Uh, And I believe this to be one of his most cruelly underrated works. I was aware of its lacklustre performance and reception. So, I thought it was only right that we... Honour the Great Man by bringing one of his less-loved films to
0: FYR. Outstanding, outstanding. Um, So when was the the first time you saw it? I can't really remember where I saw it, to be
1: honest with you, Rob. It was either a rental or late night on TV sometime after its initial release. Because, as I say, I was really aware of the fact that everyone thought it was a bit of a stinker. So I never sought it out. And then when I watched it, I was like... This is fucking real. This is really, really good. Yeah. Like properly brutal. You have got two great actors in the lead roles here. They've clearly put the work in to make it as authentic as possible. And I just thought, from the first time I've seen it, this is probably the third time that I've seen this film. <clears throat> and I just thought, wow, this is just a real, real mean and nasty and well put together. Ninety Minute Thriller, the sort of film that I'm always crying out for. Uh
0: yes. Um I mean, just amen mania, brother brother having seen it. Um I uh, so this this was a first watch for me, this <clears> one. Um and um I love it. I'm learning so much and enjoying so much new stuff doing this. Um that uh I was aware of it, of course, because y- you don't often get like it, you can't slide under the radar that too much. What was it, two thousand and three? Yeah. That when you say it's Del Toro and Tommy Lee Jones, like, poof, yeah, poof, you know, that's two big names. You know, settling in there, going obviously on, uh, you know, in the marketing toe to toe. So it was always on my list to watch um just out of a you know a, a fascination point. I had no idea it was a Friedkin movie though no, until that's much what sets much later it
1: apart, yeah for sure yeah I, I think if you looked at those two stars on the on the front you'd be like, oh maybe it's one of those director DVD sort of knockoff action films where two guys have just taken a bit of a payday you know John Cusack makes loads of these and Samuel L Jackson mm. and you know John Travolta and John Cusack <laughs> in The Security Guard or whatever it is <laughs> <laughs> you know like and they've just knocked off and, and nobody ever um, nobody ever sees it again but they got put well paid for it but then the Friedkin of it all is like yeah Friedkin is not necessarily the same force that he was back in the 70s and the 80s but still one of the great filmmakers and yeah just the pedigree of this film the fact that nobody gives a shit about it nobody speaks about it at all yeah given who's involved um it's pretty uh, spellbinding to be honest
0: it is isn't it it it, it really is um i i oh, it, it just it ne- you don't even see it on tv you know i never see it like oh, there it is you know you yeah, I, I yeah. don't, you don't, it's stumbling, at, uh, it's not really on the streamers, it's on ITVX, isn't it, over here? It is,
1: yeah, yeah, which is a good little service, actually, if you're it, yeah, it is, in yeah. the UK, so anybody can watch The Hunted for free, so if you've got to this point in the podcast and you haven't seen The Hunted, we are going to spoil it, so if Big you just time. fire up your telly or your phone, ITVX app it is on there, you have to watch it with ads, but completely free to watch, um, and yeah, yeah, have at it, and then come back and... And join us, but because I think if you haven't seen it, it's definitely worth digging into. Before hundred percent, and chat. it's
0: an hour and a half. What will you oh, do? Yeah.
1: Absolutely, go, go now.
0: Go now. Go on off yes. your toddle. Go now. We've had you download. Go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so what? What about um, budget and box office then, James? So
1: yeah. So given the um, uh, the you know lack of a cultural impact. Uh, uh, a footprint that this film has left uh, it's probably safe to say that it didn't do great at the box office uh, so the box office for the film was less than its reported production budget of 55 million dollars uh, the hunted opened on march fourteenth, two 2003 so back in the you know 20 years ago March was a bit of a dumping ground for films that studios didn't really believe in. Now it's like when the summer season starts, but back then mm. it was like, uh, we don't think this is going to be very good, so we're just going to stick it out there when there's a little competition and see if it can do anything. <laughs> uh, so in North America, it grossed $13.48 uh, million during its opening weekend, and it went on to gross thirty four, uh, just over $34 million in North America and $11 million, uh internationally... A worldwide total of forty-five million, forty-five and a half million, 45 and a half million against a production budget of 55 million. So, right, that's so, without marketing. I mean, mm. what I would say is, and what I, I found this on the trivia page, so uh, on IMDb, so it might be absolute, absolute bullshit. But apparently, Tommy Lee Jones was paid nearly 20 million dollars for this movie.
0: Good grief. Right,
1: now I love Tommy Lee Jones. If he's Mm. in a movie, I will probably watch it, right? Yeah. But he has never been an A-list movie star (laughs) who will do gangbusters at the box office. No. So to pay him $20 million to be the lead of this film, yeah, it's perfect casting, whatever, but
0: who signed that check? uh, I'm speechless. I had no idea that was... (laughs) <laughs> I mean, like you give 20 million dollars that is a th- over a third of this film's production budget exactly. to a star who you know like he is a movie star but he's not like yeah you'd give that money to tom cruise
1: yeah you and the, you and the boys are not gonna you know you and the 16 year old lads are not gonna turn up and go right oh brand new tommy <laughs> lee this weekend let's go and do it <laughs> You no, know, his most successful movies are always, financially speaking, are always been the ones where he's paired with another movie star, like the Men in Black films, like the Fugitive, <laughs> like Under Siege. Absolutely. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
0: Maybe this is what how this movie could have been marketed better. Because yes, I'm not going to go racing out to the next Tommy Lee Jones picture, but <laughs> if you'd have said. Tommy Lee Jones and Benicia Veltoro are going to chive themselves to death in the, <laughs> over over 90 minutes of hard, fun action, um, you, then I'll be like, yeah, but I pretty much want to go see that, you know? Yeah. It's mad because, you know, it would have been less than
1: $40 million, the pr- the production budget on this. Yeah. You know, if he'd scaled back on you know just maybe taking five million instead <laughs> i you, mean like, who's his agent who got him that deal uh, that's incredible work
0: it is that isn't it um wow man um so uh, with that in mind i'm I, i'm very loath to say it but this is a double qualifier I think. yeah um, which
1: this is the way i mean the the box office underperformance doesn't surprise me given you know yeah. Apart from like our dads at the time, who's really interested <laughs> in a new Tommy Lee Jones vehicle, um, <laughs> but um, the critical reception as real. Yeah. So I'll let you go ahead with that, Rob, because this is what mm. really took me aback when reading some of these reviews.
0: Yeah. So I mean, Metacritic score <laughs> of forty, um, but this is where you know one of those things that I love: user score of eight point two. So big swing between the two there on Metacritic, but on Rotten Tommies, it's not quite the same. So twenty nine percent.
1: That's what they we were calling Tommy Lee Jones after the box office receipts came. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but but while we said that it was it was forty seven percent audience. So still very low. Audience wasn't yeah. digging it on Rotten Tomatoes at all. Um, but letterbox three point one, which means it's slightly above what we usually get at yeah, two point nine, two point eight. Quite low, yeah. 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 Um, so going into some of the um, the critics, I found that it was like uh, right the way through researching the critical reception to this was it was just swinging back and forth constantly. You've got Neil Miner of Common Sense Media saying it's an awful and graphically violent movie. Yeah, I agree with the second bit, but not the yeah, first. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, Rex Reed of the observer said it's ludicrous, plotless, ho-hum tale of lurid confrontation. Do not agree. Um, Chuck O'Leary, um, of full view driving. He says, just like Walter Hill's undisputed, William Friedkin's the hunted plays like a, a uh, plays like a clinic for lean, mean, no nonsense filmmaking. He enjoyed it. Um, the sheriff came to town on this one. Oh yeah. Uh, And it sadly, the the sheriff, um, although we always respect the sheriff's opinion, didn't enjoy this one. He said with an opening and closing voiceover by Johnny Cash, Freakin tries to frame the action as an Abraham and Isaac story. But the father son connection isn't strong enough to carry such emotional heft. In The Hunted, we don't see violence as a metaphor. We see violence as violence. And it's just plain boring. Even worse, we watch a filmmaker's vision turn in on itself and shrink until it has no weight or value. It's a grim spectacle. The film contains gruesome violence. <laughs> I love that <laughs> sort of <laughs> warning at the end. <laughs> Now, flip that around, you've got uh, one of our other favourite critics, Roger Ebert. Eves came along and gave this 3.5 out of 4. Oh, bloody hell, Uh, he loved it. He loved it, yeah. The Hunted is a pure and rather inspired example of the one-on-one chase movie. Um, And then we've got mega reactions from... people on Letterboxd who I just live for these legendary people um Ads Cantor gave it one star and again it's either one or five there's very little yeah, in between yeah. one star from Ads Cantor got through maybe half an hour unwatchable terrible shots no rhythm very poor performances I'll give it a one to three well they didn't they gave it one because uh pretty faces Was there?
1: Is he talking about Tommy I
0: don't know uh, anyway, um, switching around, we've got Jessica GZ um, who <laughs> put five stars, just two men in love. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Karina Rose said on Letterboxd, one star, tag with guns and knives. Again, that's not under, that's not selling this movie in a bad way to me. That yeah. sounds great. Um, but I very much enjoyed Dylan Moses Griffin on Letterboxd saying five stars for The Hunted because I was the intimacy coordinator on the film. <laughs> 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 so which probably leans back to Jessica GZ who said it was just two men in love. So great job Dylan Moses Griffin um on your intimacy coordination um so yeah a real mixed bag there um, but mostly negative rather than positive which having seen the film I'm surprised by
1: yeah yeah I mean I what I found from looking through the reviews was people were like oh there's no there's no characterization there's no development it's like well, no, it's there's no there's not a lot of dialogue, but that's sort of the mm. point. It's characterization through through looks and through actions rather mm. than that's how he's moving the the plot forward. Anyway, we will get into it as to why I like it so much and a uh, bunch yeah. of things why um, why you like it so much, Rob. Mm. But um, I mean, another thing. If we get into the should we get into the film itself? Yeah, at let's this go stage? for it. Why not? Yeah, why not? so. I, uh, I think another place where the budget clearly went on this movie was the opening <laughs> prologue in in kosovo yes. Yes. which it opens with the huge crane shot right and it's the <laughs> it's the war in kosovo isn't it right and there's explosions going off in the in the background in the foreground there's hundreds of extras running for their lives like it's huge right and bear in mind this has Little to do with the actual main thrust of the action, other than motivation for uh, Benicio del Toro's character, Hallam, um, yes. and his mental state, perhaps, as we go through. But this set piece <laughs> is absolutely ginormous, and I was uh, uh, as soon as it rolled up on the screen, I was like, I don't remember it. This bit, all I remember the bit is the moccasins in the woods, and, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, all oh, right, well, I mean. It just looked incredible. It's shot by uh cinematographer uh, Caleb Deschanel, uh who is the father of Zoe Deschanel, and a six time Oscar nominee. So those people who are saying that he doesn't know how to shoot, uh you're wrong, basically. You exactly <laughs> yes, what he's doing. Very wrong.
0: Demonstrably <laughs> incorrect.
1: Yeah. Interesting um, and yeah, I just thought the way that this was lit and everything was lit by these blood orange sort of explosions at night and uh benicio del toro's character hallam he is part of the special ops uh black ops team who are going in there to um to assassinate what turns out to be a genocidal serbian sort of warlord is that am, am i right in that at the moment it, it, but, it, it, but yeah. they've not got they've not got guns because why would you bring a gun to a huge battle
0: he's gonna sneak in and knife the dude uh yes um He's, you know, I, I, you get first introduced to, yeah, Hallam in this scene, don't you? And this scene, do you know what it reminded me of twice? And I do love like a haunting opening crawl, which uh, shows yeah. why the main characters are so messed up. <laughs> um, yeah. Two other great examples of this are obviously from this Paris Universal Soldier. Um, oh, absolutely. It, was, it yeah. reminded me so much of that um, in it's Vietnam. Slightly
1: different d- tones. I would. Very different tones, <laughs> yes.
0: um, but still lots of appalling things going on. Oh um, yeah, I mean, just horrendous. Like, s- you, yes,
1: these um, you know the the soldiers who they've uh, who the Americans have been sent in to assassinate are like literally just plugging civilians and children and throwing them into mass graves, aren't they? It's a uh, it's, it's a real dreadful. it's a real um, sobering opening to what turns out to be like a real tight thriller it's like bloody hell this is this is hardcore stuff this like there's no punches held back at all.
0: Yeah. Um and, and to make this tone shift even more awkward it reminded me, you know, the whole you know, this is how badass this person is. It reminded me of the opening of the Marine with John Cena. <laughs>
1: <laughs> One of Friedkin's key
0: touchstones for this picture. I believe so. <laughs> yes. In fact, my my little boy is going through a a big wrestling phase at the moment, but he can't say John Cena, so he calls him John Senior. just (laughs) His dad. (laughs) Here's John Senior. (laughs) He is getting on a bit now, old John. He
1: is John Senior. (laughs) Is it just me, or does John Cena look really weird with hair?
0: Yeah, uncomfortable. But then again... uh, I I know know. he
1: has to have hair because he's a movie star now. Yes,
0: yeah, yeah. Um yeah, one of those you you're used to a certain thing. Wrestling um, with floppy hair, like accountant oh. hair. Go <laughs> Do you remember when he announced to the audience that the, the US government had killed Osama bin Laden? <laughs> you know backstage like wow it's pretty Pretty serious current events going on out there. Should we let anyone know? <laughs> Let's get John Cena to do it. <laughs> I must say, he delivered that speech with genuine aplomb. <laughs> Um, I, I enjoyed all of this sequence it was cool um, yeah. well sorry not cool what was going on no it was not cool definitely absolutely no. not cool but well shot um, yeah. you got a serious sense of uh, place and scale of it all and um, you had were left in no doubt why Benicio del Toro's character Hallam is so traumatised as we go into the next bits of the film. You don't even... There is no need for discussion scenes on this matter as to why we've laid it all on the line. Yeah, if you
1: came out of that having not been traumatised by the atrocities that you'd witnessed and then... then, But it just really sets the table for just how brutal and up-close and personal and painful the violence will be throughout Mm. the course of the film, uh, which is... Everybody, uh, it is a very violent film. I'm not going to say otherwise, oh, yeah. but only a 15 here in the UK.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, was it rated R in America? Or?
1: Yeah, I mean they don't have a distinction between 18 and 15 like we do.
0: Oh right, okay. Oh, they've got yeah. NC 17 though, haven't they? they? Yes, but they do
1: that. But um, yes, so they go really PG 13 stuff, up to R, and then NC 17 is for is like our equivalent of an 18, but they see it as like a. Death sentence for a film if it gets an NC-17 <laughs> because you can't take kids who are under seven. You can take kids who are under seventeen into an R-rated film in America, but you can't. But it is literally seventeen and over uh, for an NC-17, oh. which is mad Jeez. that you can just that is, like that is pretty crazy. you know take your six-year-old to see The Hunted starring Tommy Lee Jones. Please <laughs> <but he's laughs> <El> don't <Doctorum. laughs> Oh, it's scary, Daddy. Oh, I'm enjoying it very much. Thank you. I'm having a great time. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, we cut uh, away from the horror stuff. I mean, and, and he's obviously... got post-traumatic stress disorder. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What's PTS, Daddy? Um, <laughs> the we, He's very, very proficient at murdering people. Oh, yeah. Uh, Benicio del Toro. And also it appears he's becoming very, very haunted by what he's doing and the things he's seeing. Yeah. Um, and it's... I, I, you know, it's it's well played by Del Toro. I think it's well directed.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's superb. Yeah. And then it juxtaposes beautifully because after he like violently murders this horrendous Serbian warlord who's been literally committing genocide on uh, on civilians, that he's then given you know a silver star as a act of heroism. And the way that Friedkin portrays the uh, him his assassination of this warlord. There's nothing heroic about it, really. Mm. It's horrendous the violence, and I think everyone's like, "Ooh, mm, it's you know, it's very violent." Mm. Yeah, because that's obviously the point that he's trying to make with with this film is that we train or governments train these these people to go in and just do the most heinous things. Mm. Um, even and even though he's the good guy in this, the quote-unquote good guy in this scenario. The way that he murders this guy is just so upsetting and blood-curdling yeah. and just horrendous. Uh,
0: not like the Marine, which <laughs> makes yeah. it look like the I coolest I think that was PG-13,
1: thing. to be fair.
0: I think it was. I think <laughs> it was. But you would be so right. <laughs> In fact, I assume after this dictator has been killed, I assume that John Cena announced it to a live audience.
1: On <laughs> Rory's <laughs> <draw his> Warp. <laughs> What was the era (laughs) called that John Cena was the biggest in? It was like, it had the Uh, Attitude Era. Ruthless
0: Aggression. Ruthless Aggression. Yeah, yeah. Which is what del Toro
1: displays throughout much of this.
0: (laughs) Who did (laughs) did you think we would have so many wrestling (laughs) tie John
1: Cena sidebar.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In fact, I don't even know whether John Cena was, was a thing when The Hunted came out, so...
1: No, no, maybe just... He might have been. I don't know. I'd stopped watching wrestling by then. Yeah, I had. By that Um, point, I'd kissed a girl. (laughs) (laughs) Not dissing anybody who (laughs) likes wrestling. It's very entertaining.
0: (laughs) Oh, dearie me. Um, So we get to Tommy Lee Jones is in the woods. Oh, yeah. He's up in uh, British
1: Columbia, isn't he? And yeah. he's just like you know, just casually tracking a wolf, like yes. with no with no weapons. He's not planning on killing this wolf. He's gonna be mates with it when he finds it.
0: Uh yes. I I, I right, I think I'm gonna go on record now this early and saying I don't think Tommy Lee Jones has ever looked as good as this. Oh I know. Yeah, um, He's in. I think he's in fabulous shape in this movie. Um, yeah, for all the you know, because you buy everything. Actually, you know, I buy that he's a tracker. I buy that yep. he's going through the woods doing all this stuff. Um, I certainly buy his activities in the fight scenes later on. Um, activities, <laughs> the chiving, The all the shivving, You know, that's what I I buy. Um, and I, I yeah, I, I thought he looked great. I thought the the scenery is so well shot, and I love an introduction to a character. Like this, where they're doing something a little bit different out of the ordinary. I'm sure some people will say, "Oh, it's very clumsy." He's rescuing, you know, because the wolf has got a sore leg, hasn't he? Or yeah. So like
1: the um, basically uh, they must be, you know, it must be like a, uh, a reservation of sort, of, or they're trying to, you know, protect the wolf population or what have you. And he's sort of mm. like a ranger up there, isn't he? And yeah, he sees that a trap has been laid down for for this wolf that is it's not cricket and he's not happy about it basically well, so no. he goes back to um to the bar where all the trappers and the hunters sort of hang out and this is how you just know he's a is a bad mf even if he's like yes. quite um softly spoken is he just grabs the trap that he's just taken off the uh, wolf's bloodied paw sticks it around the guy's neck and slams his head off the table and says no more of that to the rest of them they're all like yep No problem.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely (laughs) outstanding. This was one of the badass moments um, of all time. I loved it. And again, the way he went about it was very physical, very direct. Yeah. You bought it, you know. You You all bought it. More more wrestling. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, um,
1: Sorry, what I must stress about, uh, you know, Tommy Lee Jones getting... $20 Twenty million dollars for this movie. It's not because I don't think he's good in this movie. He's clearly mm. done the work. He's he put he's fully committed performance. That's more about his market value. If you're looking to make box office money on the back of that, yeah. uh, you wouldn't pay twenty million dollars to Tommy Lee Jones. But as an actor, he's he's second to none, really, especially in this kind of role.
0: Yeah. No, I I completely agree. Um, uh, uh, over I I overpriced, you'd say, in this movie, but that's because of the kind of movie as it is. He yeah. himself in this movie is box office.
1: Absolutely. Maybe if you'd had, like, Tom Cruise in the uh, Benicio del Toro part or something like that. or yeah. Then, yeah. then the movie might have stood more of a chance or Brad Pitt or something like that. He's always better when he's playing off a, a movie star who's not as good as an, a, an actor as him, but more of a magnetic sort of...
0: That's interesting. Yeah, Whereas, screen presence. Yeah, yeah. De- Del Toro is obviously an extremely good actor. Yeah, he's um, an actor as
1: well, though, isn't it? So you get the he sense is. Is not he? Yeah. Both had her. We're just going to do some acting. <laughs> <It's>
0: like, <laughs> Can one and, of you be a movie he... star?
1: Is that possible? <laughs> yeah,
0: because he bring. I, I quite like him. Well, I, I think he's great in the role, but I quite like this casting because he he fits this sort of. He's not just lost it. Because there's there's Rambo first blood vibes going on here. As oh well, yeah, yeah. There? Um and he's not just sort of like lost it, but with the way he plays it, you can you can see why he's lost it or how he's lost it. Yeah. You know, that it didn't take that this guy, Hallam, you give him, you know, the opportunity and he's got the chance in him to go bug nuts. Um and I think that's one of the reasons why I find his character very, very compelling. Um yeah. I read a lot of reviews that
1: didn't like his performance, mm. which I thought was odd. I mean, I think in a lot of films, Del Toro he will sort of take a chance on a character. He'll give them a a strange accent, you know, where they're d- difficult to understand, or they'll they'll have some sort of quirks. But here, I think he plays it pretty down the line, really, yeah. fairly relatable for a murdering
0: psychopath. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I, I I agree with you, um, and uh, yeah, there is so much more complexities to the character to come as well. Um, yeah, and then so so this uh, he, he you know there is uh, uh, we we cut then to some other hunters in the woods, and at this point, I am thinking the whole thing is going to be woodland based. Yes, um, but it isn't. Um, so they're in the woods, and these these hunter dudes um, are are there, and he murders them. Yeah. Horribly,
1: absolutely, yeah, yeah. He's not playing around, is he? And basically, what I like about this film is the ambiguity of the whole thing. Like, he's clearly a deeply paranoid character. He thinks that everybody's out to get him, um, because what we later learn is that not the not the situation in Kosovo where he was uh, rewarded as a and held up as a war hero, but other black ops missions that he's done have potentially gone sideways and he uh, mm. and he feels like the government is now out to get him so what the the ambiguous thing i like about this film is these two hunters are out there and they've got these huge rifles with these really like high tech scopes on them so are these actual hunters or are these people who've been sent to take out del toro
0: yeah um I don't know. I mean, it seemed like because he kept going on about them, like those those weapons are not, you know, sh- you know, they're not not they're not for hunting. Those weapons, they're yeah, you know, they're for all sorts of other stuff. You know, they're they're far too serious for hunting, and that's why it has sort of triggered off Del Toro into thinking that they were coming for him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know actually. But because it's
1: all black ops and off the uh, off the books work that he does. Even if those people were, even if those two men were coming to, uh, to hunt him essentially and take him out, there'd be no reference to that anyway. And I think that sort of uncertainty within the plot and certain characters' motivations is possibly what annoyed certain audience members or or critics. It's like, well, we can't really get a handle on this. Like, is he paranoid? Are they after him?
0: Oh, and then there's this great scene where it's like. Um... LT, please come back. Just one more case. Yeah. And he's Loving like, stuff. oh.
1: And what I like about this film as well is it dispenses with all the nonsense that you'd usually see in a thriller, like the long night of the soul where he has to go and talk to somebody about whether he should go back or not. It, he just sits down and goes, oh, this is shit, but I suppose I'm going to have to do it, basically. And then the next scene, Bosch is on the chopper. <laughs> he's going into the woods in Portland. It's like, it's just cut out about four minutes of screen time that would have been in any other thriller, essentially.
0: It's so good, isn't it? I love that economy of screenwriting, of direction as well. Just, yeah. Just, yeah, we've had the thing. He knows it's one of his boys as well, because LT, uh, Tommy Lee Jones' character, is, uh, like, the, the most sensational trainer of killing, <laughs> it seems, oh, yeah. ever, or something. Yeah,
1: he's like the Pep Guardiola of murdering people <laughs> with knives, like... ha, <laughs> ha.
0: Yes. Uh, and he can spot his own, you know, a protege of his, a Miloff as well, it Absolutely. seems. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, which means that uh, one of his boys has gone rogue and he's got to go and sort it out. Yeah. Um, and I loved all this. You know, then he gets the crime scene and then he's just like, get everyone out of here. You know, this is an absolute joke. Get everyone out of here. And then he just wanders off in the woods in his moccasins with a knife. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's absolutely, absolutely it's brilliant. Like, I'm not pissing about, eh? come on! I don't need all this stuff. Like
0: Connie Nielsen is in this movie. She Bit of is. a
1: thankless role, I would say. It's like,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, because she comes across as sort of like, and it's not her at all. It's just that the the character comes across as sort of like a very yeah. competent bystander. Absolutely, um, yeah, yeah. Um... I mean,
1: I do wonder if this script was always as tight as this, or if Friedkin in the edit has just gone. No, we're stripping all of this out, we're stripping it all out. Basically, all I want is um, is basically everything: storytelling, characterization, themes, character development. Want it all through action. I don't want people stood around talking yep. at all. I just want it to go basically. <laughs> and then that yeah. because you know she she'd made Gladiator a couple of years before. She was in Gladiator a couple of years before this. She wasn't gladiator, wasn't she, Connie Nielsen? She was, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yes. Um you know, and she's a she's a well known at. there must have been more on the page, is what I'm saying, for her to for her sign up on. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, I can I can definitely see that, man. Um
1: unless she got twenty million as well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you get twenty million and you get twenty million. <laughs> uh, um yeah, you're right, and and like the way he comes into the scene, I mean, I know it's the character and everything like that, but yeah, he does sort of, he has to take complete control of it. Um, yeah, he does, yeah. Which jolly, does. He's the
1: best. The best. <laughs> he's the
0: best. He's um, the best. I just love it. Um, and he's off to, at the races, scurrying about, crawling on the floor. None of this yeah. walking, just let's crawl everywhere. <laughs> it's outstanding. Uh, they have these shoes that have no treads on them. Um, yeah, so they're they the can't... worst
1: shoes I've ever seen. They might be practical, but... Oh my oh. days! They're the ugliest shoes I've ever seen in my life.
0: <laughs> I want to get seven hundred pairs. They're they <laughs> so comfortable.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I bet they get the job done. To be fair, it's like yeah, but no, no tread on them. Are oh, they yeah. like weird moccasins? They they look a bit stupid, don't they? When you like, you don't notice them, but when you actually see them fighting and they're both wearing them, it's just like <laughs> oh, two clowns in bad shoes fighting each other.
0: Yeah, it's true, sadly. It is true. And,
1: uh, yeah, basically, um, Tommy Lee Jones finds, uh, finds uh, Benicio Del Toro's little grief hovel underneath a tree like bloody Winnie the Pooh or whatever.
0: <laughs> Sad Winnie the Pooh. Sad, murderous Winnie the Pooh.
1: And then... Um, as is the want in this film, and we cut into the chase, they get in a big knife fight, and it's oh, absolutely brilliant. It's so good. It's mostly the guys as well. You can tell it's mostly them. They've done really good fight choreography. It's not overly fast as well, so like it feels more realistic. Like It's not like Tommy Lee Jones suddenly becomes Neo from The Matrix. It's like, you know, and you feel the weight of the blows, and it's like martial arts, and st- trying... Because he doesn't actually have a knife, does he? Or does it get knocked out of his hand? I'm not oh, sure. I can't
0: remember. I mean, the, there are knives and then knives disappear and then they come back. and yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. And then uh, Benicio makes one, <laughs> which is incredible later on. Um, but no, I, I, I know just what you mean. It, it crunches. It looks real. You can see what's going on. You can follow the fights. Goodness me. Which... You know, with this style of fighting as well, which is very close quarters quarters yeah. and uh, deliberate, you know, parry block, strike, defence, all this kind of stuff. It, it like it needs to be you need to be able to see what's going on. You could get lost exactly. so easily yeah. with this. If there was some, you know, some cocky camera work, <laughs> you know. You know what I mean? Like if someone was trying to ooh, Paul Greengrass, this one. Thank you. Um Slight diss there, which I didn't mean to do. Um, I know.
1: What's he ever done to you? Not his fault, is it, that Bond ripped it off badly? <laughs>
0: uh, very true. Um, <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> you knew that's where the root of the, the... Yeah,
1: but that's got nothing to do with Paul Greengrass. He doesn't even like Bond.
0: <laughs> right. Neither do I now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Such a baby. I'm sorry. Um, so much in common. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the fight is um, is uh, just excellent. Um, do you think sometimes um, it's quite soft focused? The film, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. Because it's yeah, it's up close and obviously it's in foliage, isn't it? A lot of the time. And what mm. I find funniest about this is they set it in Portland because he wanted the. He wanted the forest to be damp and he wanted it to be raining. There was no rain the entire time The shot in really? Portland for four months. <laughs> but it still feels damp and close, doesn't oh, yeah. it? And
0: Yeah. 100%. Earthy. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, uh, people, you know, whatever quibbles are with the film, for me it's not about the scenery <laughs> no, or the absolutely. setting or anything like that. So, yeah, no, it's not going to be the one that um, upset me. Um, the... Uh, what I can't, I, I can't remember what happens now? He beats him. Yeah, no. What happens? Oh, is it's a trank. He dart. was made.
1: To, he was made to take a radio with him mm. against his will, and they'd put a tracker in the radio, and then the FBI come out of the because basically, Del Toro's got the upper hand on him because he's he's not match fit at this point, Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> you know, chasing wolves and fighting them. Uh, uh, a traumatized psycho in the woods is not is not the same thing. <laughs> um, and yeah, they trank him, don't they, with a dart, and then they arrest him. You're like, right, Bosh, back to British Columbia we go. My work yeah. here is done. Um,
0: yeah, um,
1: I mean, if then... I was Tommy Lee Jones, I wouldn't have even gone back to FBI headquarters. I'd have gone straight to the airport. Yeah, I don't know like, what I'm going what you Need to
0: do, you know? Yeah, you, I'm you know done. Done. done my idea. bear found Dumb. him. You arrested him. Done. Yeah. Um, but he had to see it through. I yeah, yeah. Well what kind
1: of, thing. because he goes back to FBI headquarters and he seems to be getting along with uh with Connie Nielsen's character and they're chatting and and whatnot. Um he tells her how much he hates flying and mm. he's very fidgety when he's indoors. You get the sense that he's not comfortable yeah. at all. It's a really well it's a, a a really nice character beat. I think there's a lot of, uh of those little details in in the performances, if you if you are looking for them, and it's just like I can't be in indoors here. I need to be outdoors. That's where I am. Uh, that's where I feel like my natural self. Essentially, yeah,
0: um, yeah I, I love all that. Another character, um, bit of backstory that I really liked as well. That he never served himself. Oh no, you know, no. Jones was only the teacher. Um, yeah, which I loved that. You know, like and he looks so. I think he looks haunted. Uh I think the character is haunted by the fact that he's taught so many people to kill, yeah and he regrets it i feel
1: he does, yeah, I think so, for sure, but again, it's all in the eyes, isn't it? it's all there yeah i think i I don't know again you when you when you read criticism nowadays, one of the big things that comes up with thrillers and and um and dramas and things like that. It's like, oh, it over-explains everything. And uh, it doesn't treat the audience like grown-ups. Like, this film literally treats you like an adult and like you might yeah. have seen a thriller before, essentially. Yeah. And just goes, right, you know, it's all there. It's all there in the eyes of the characters yeah. and in the actions of the characters. So, you know, just get on board and just come with us now on this
0: on this hunt, essentially. Yeah, like, and I don't know why you wouldn't, Get on board with this. Um, exactly, yeah. There's a brilliant, um, you know, I love Hallam's um, interview scenes because he's sort of, like, remorselessly traumatised, isn't he? I mean, yeah. he's like a... I think the, the impression I got was that he, he knows he's a product of this big society that he's a part of, uh, you know, and the big machines and the wheels that they're all yeah. part of. And, look, I'm just the pointy end of the stick to keep you guys safe and you know that's it and if this has happened this has happened you know like and i love that you know and these like you say about grown-up stuff i mean this is like i think again i'm going to go back to the marine but in the marine there is literally a moment where john cena can't can't get to who's on the other side so he bashes through a wall to to get to them and this is just in that opening you know when he's supposed to be a really you know key soldier for the U.S. Marine. I
1: don't think I've seen the Marine as many times as you have, Rob, (laughs) to (laughs) be.
0: I would dare say that's true. (laughs) Uh, Whereas these are grown-up characters with grown-up, you know, um, uh, mature themes and mature um, character quirks, real character quirks. Yeah. um, and, And portrayed in a way that I think, you know, this is why Friedkin is so good. Absolutely, yeah.
1: And they sort of reflect back the darkness of the world that they operate within.
0: Yeah, Um, absolutely right. Um, And and they reflect each other in so many ways as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Mm. Brilliant escape scene. Um,
1: Yeah, so basically they're like, oh, we're going to arrest him. And then these three black ops douchebags turn up, and they may as well just have dead meat Tattooed on the <laughs> tattooed on <their> forehead. <laughs> I'm just basically, no, you're not going to be arresting, uh, arresting him because he doesn't exist, essentially. As far as everybody's concerned, he was mm. killed in action many, many years ago. Um, he works for us. We'll be taking it from here. So they put him in a, um, uh, in a prison transport, and it'll go swimmingly <laughs> for Benicio <laughs> because he gets the drop on them somehow. Um, and it's murders brilliant. all three of them.
0: <laughs> he does. He just like wantonly murders everyone, and then puts the the crummy suit of one of the people he's just killed on, yeah, and crawls out of the back of the wreckage, like, oh God, my friends are in there, or <laughs> something like that. Brilliant! It's yeah. so fun to watch this, and um, then scurries off
1: to the off to the woods like a like a badger who's just. <laughs> Just been through the bins and found pay
0: dirt. <laughs> A, pay- A Cleveland steamer. <laughs> it, you, you're so right. He goes to ground again and yeah. he's off. And this is like, I, I really loved how no nonsense this ending was. It was just, right, here we go. Um, he's gone. Jones, you are going to go and get him back. And, um... <laughs> he's
1: like, what I do love about this. This is one of the contrivances. He's like, sat in the departure lounge at the airport. Uh, he ruins a game of hide and seek just for just for the fun mm. of it.
0: <laughs> Casual,
1: <laughs> yeah. He's like, he can He's never off. He's always looking for things. Um, and uh, joy, yeah. like we said. It's, it's like it literally happened like twenty minutes ago. Uh, This this (laughs) this prison break, and it's on the like news immediately. Like they've got all the anchors out there and everything. (laughs) And he's like, "Oh no, got to go back to work." And then the funniest thing is, is he pulls up to this massive crime scene in a cab, like right. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Superb. Superb. Um, Is this where they end up jumping off a bridge?
1: No, that's after. So basically, what happens is
0: that um, Benicio del Toro
1: he goes to he goes to ground, but not really because he basically oh, hides yeah. out with his ex girlfriend and her kid. Even though, mm. like, who seem way too close because he was apparently only with them for like two or three months, and then he disappeared to go and do a job. And now he's back again. This is like the second time he's been in their lives. Yeah. Uh, and anyway, he's sort of hanging out there, and then. Um, Tommy Lee Jones and Connie Nielsen, they get the the scent, essentially, and they go to investigate in there. And it's not like, oh, we turn up and he's not there. And then, oh, we turn up again. Oh, no, he's there. Right. And then this huge chase across the whole of Portland, essentially, and we're going above ground. There's a car chase, which is always great to see in a freaking movie. Yeah. Um, and then in the sewers where... Benito is just shiving FBI agents. Like, <laughs> <"There's> no tomorrow. <laughs> like, some. What I will say about this is, like, none of these deaths matter because we've had no characterization from these supporting no. players at all. They're just archetype. They're just FBI archetypes. And it's yes. like Connie Nielsen's upset because her partner gets killed. And we're like, he was in the way. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like,
0: yeah. It's own fault.
1: <laughs> I don't even know his name. Like, <laughs> <he's> down.
0: <laughs> um,. And it keeps, like, it keeps ramping. It's another, it's a really good chase, actually. Yeah, it's
1: across the whole city, and it's, like, yeah. this urban jungle, essentially, as yes, opposed yes, to yes. woodland areas. And he's, like, yeah. he's, he's getting on streetcars, and he's running across the top of bridges. He's running, you know, and, like, Tommy Lee Jones is just always, like, just one step behind him. He's, like, damn, train this guy far too well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, if only I'd made a few errors with this guy. If only I was worse at my job. Curse you. (laughs) Uh, um, And there's this huge leap of faith into the water, isn't there? Um, Yeah. And Jones is uh, sorry, uh, Hallam's gone. Um, And he's off. And this is where he sort of goes back to basics and he sort of preps himself for war, um, emerges in some sort of waterfall tributary area yeah. and starts fashioning new items to stab people with. Oh, it goes full Scrappy Challenge, doesn't it? It does, Both, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> he becomes a blacksmith on the side of it's <laughs> waterfall. Like I mean, a, I loved it. It's great. He's got like an old bumper
1: and I, don't, I can't remember what he used to start a fire or whatever, but he's like full on blacksmithing <laughs> next to a waterfall. It, it, it is
0: cool. Um, yeah. And they're, they're hunting for Tommy him. Tommy Lee yeah. Jones
1: is just casually carving a knife out of some stone that he's found on a dirt track. Like, yeah. Just yeah, this will do. Dove, it? Yeah, could have just taken a bit off his craggy old face and just started. <laughs> Perhaps some ninja stars. <laughs> oh, it's um, like, oh, imagine him! How he just cannot sanction this Benicio well. del Toro-based buffoonery. Now, <laughs> what's been going on? is like, I am going to make myself a stone knife, and I am going to sort this geezer out,
0: once yeah. and for all. I mean, FBI, you're useless. Honestly, oh, I you know? left you to do a job. I was going home, and look what you've done. <laughs> And, and then when they confront each other, I mean, it's electric again. Actually, I yeah. think I think it's it's another fabulous confrontation, and and they're really they're, there is no quarter given to either of them. They're just trying to murder each other horribly. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and
1: because you have seen in a flashback all of the techniques that he's taught yeah. the, uh, Benicio del Toro and the other recruits, and they are brutal ways of taking people out with knives, and they're all utilized. In this final fight, yes.
0: basically, yeah. I mean, it's like um, there's this one particular sort of like four or five move combo that he keeps doing, and it looks like it's just an immediate disemboweling. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like <laughs> just so do this, do it again, do it again, and if you want to see the guts, do this. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. Kind of like oh dear, uh, and yeah, they're just doing it to each other constantly. Yeah, but it's just my the favorite one is one is so he-
1: good. Yeah, is when uh, Tommy Lee Jones gets hoisted by his own petard, so he uses, uh, he uses <gasps> the knife to go down Benicio del Toro's arm, like, opening his arm up completely. And his arm's, like, dead by his side, and then he just sort of... He's like got blood pooling in the palm of his hand and he just sort of flicks his, heart, his useless arm to that and flicks um, blood across uh, Tommy Lee Jones' craggy features. And he's like, Superb. oh, Jesus, he's got me again.
0: <laughs> I thought it was a great image, that as well. You yeah. know? Um, and there's, I, I think, like again, Del Toro, you expect him to physically be very accomplished. But yeah, I, honestly, I think Jones is such a match for him here. Absolutely. I think this is, is his greatest physical performance for me um, by by a long long way actually um, and and it's no mean feat this, to, to learn these moves and do all this And um, yeah. may, you know what, I'm beginning to think maybe he was worth 20 million.
1: I, I mean I'm not saying he didn't put the work in
0: no, no, no. The audience neither of us are saying. I think what we're yeah. just saying is that twenty million is an absurd price <laughs> to be yeah. paying someone for this kind of movie for Tommy Lee when, Jones. Yeah, when the budget itself is only fifty-five, like you can't be giving nearly fifty percent of the budget to Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> I mean, it's like an absurd football transfer. It is, know, yeah. like yeah, he did all right. It was good, but You're just like
1: it's like he's had a good World Cup, and you've brought him in for a world record fee. It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, dear me. <laughs> oh dear! But yeah, um, I just love that this is like two Academy Award winners just absolutely going to town on each other. There's yeah. no thesping going on. It's all physical. Um, yeah, it's all physicality, and yeah, a lot of people have sort of said, you know, this is a bit of a cross between. Uh, First Blood and The Fugitive, which also Tommy Lee Jones was in, mm. and it's a great movie. Uh, oh, right. And yeah, I see that, but it's just like with all of the Hollywood polish sort of taken out of it
0: <laughs> and just yeah. drilled down to its elemental... Absolutely right, yeah. No, I, I totally agree. Um, it must have been... I mean, it must have been hard, but I would imagine at the same time must have been quite fun doing all this.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah you just got mad Billy Friedkin behind you. There, stab him again. Uh, Yeah,
0: another take. Do it again. (laughs) Disembowel him again. (laughs) Um, And eventually, Jones just gets the better of the younger man. He does, yeah. Stabs him with his own Scrappy Challenge knife. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. And then, uh, as far as I remember, it's pretty immediately credits roll, isn't it? Uh
1: he goes back to British Columbia and it turns out so like yes, throughout the film uh Del Toro's been saying I've been saying he, he's he's acting a bit like Stan from the M M&M M song basically. <laughs> <laughs> I hit yeah. you uh, I wrote you LT, but you still ain't calling. i <laughs> <laughs> my home phone and my pager at the bar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: if Tommy Lee Jones had just picked up a bloody pen, this whole thing could
0: have This been... <laughs> never would have happened. <laughs>
1: Yeah. but the letters and the final thing is is, is is doesn't he does he put the letters into the fire?
0: Uh, oh he might do. I can't I can't quite remember. I just remember by this yes. point being utterly thrilled by what I had seen. Yeah, and it's
1: just like it's like what you said him coming to terms with you know Hallam is one of his students. How many other of these people are out there that he is yeah. responsible for?
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, and it's haunting and it's harrowing it is and, it is and it's grown-up filmmaking i know yeah and don't no think wonder he's like is. just lives up in
1: british columbia tracking wolves with no yeah. friends essentially so they can fix their paws or
0: whatever <laughs> yeah uh yeah um and the, yeah, the movie finishes um yeah very soon after it's and, like and, 89 minutes on the dot that the credits roll it's like wow. <laughs> How yes. gorgeous is that? Really?
1: That was the hunted. Now get the fuck out of here. That's freaking.
0: <laughs> like you know when it was on in theaters. Like honestly, we could squeeze two of these in next to an Avengers movie. Like quick, you know, let's get our money's worth here. Yeah, um, it's like oh, if get only the more fuck people would see theater. it. <laughs> uh, so, what's your favourite bit then? I
1: mean, I think it's hard to look beyond the two knife fights just from a pure choreography standpoint mm. and the brutality and how long they must have taken to shoot each of those sequences and, you know, the the unbelievable chase across Portland as well is it's just unreal. Um, yeah. But what I'm going to go for is a little character beat. So uh, Tommy Lee Jones mentions that he doesn't like... Flying, and we see this again rather than before. He tells us in that when he lands at the crime scene, uh, with the FBI, the first thing he does is like sprints across the uh, oh, <laughs> across yes. the grass and starts hurling all over the place. It's superb, isn't it? Yeah, and like, it it's just not. It's in.
0: like it's like very unedifying. Like <laughs> it was,
1: it was Jim Carrey esque. He won't enjoy that. Um, he won't, will he? that comparison but it was very over the top hurling and i enjoyed it uh, because not only did it look really funny but it juxtaposes really well with the date you know he's like oh i can't go in a chopper but then he'll put himself in, in willingly just go into the woods to track mm. this this murderer who, who could be hiding anywhere and he's not bothered about that but in a, you know a short jaunt in a helicopter and he's all over the shop uh, and it's just a really vulnerable moment to help ground his character um and make him relatable even though he is like the world's best tracker
0: yeah i i yeah i love that actually um Small things with character, big things with character, all very interesting. You need it all. If you're going to create compelling characters, you need yeah. all that gamut. And that. you're right, that is a really great beat. Um, I'm going to pick another Tommy Lee Jones moment for, for this, and I know we've talked about it, but the manner in which he crashes the guy's head who's the, the who's been using illegal traps on wolves. <laughs> he, well, the way he walks in and puts this thing round his neck and just obliterates this fella. And then, like you said, points at the other. <laughs> it's like, that's enough of that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I, the line
1: is literally, no more snares on wolves, guys.
0: That's brilliant. Yeah, No I mean, more snares just... on wolves, guys. Brilliant. But... After you've named someone big time. <laughs> Oh, that bar looked amazing. Desperate to Oh, go very there. cozy. Oh yeah. Well, we could go there. You know, after we go we've had. Where my? <laughs> yeah, let's go there. Do they? Do you do Bigfoot? Bigfoot burgers here? The... <laughs> With that question, we'll meet. Um, so, I mean, um, for your reconsideration, then. I mean, I'll go first because um, you picked it, James. Um, yeah. Yes, 89 minutes. It's it's free to air at the moment in the UK. Um it's a, a, a ballistics weapons grade filmmaker on for me really excellent pared down form. He's taken I, I totally agree with what 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 Roger Ebert said about the movie, about it being um extremely um like an inspired take on this kind of movie. Yeah. Um because it's you know, there are loads and loads of mano a mano movies out there, you know, um but it takes a special kind of filmmaker to make it this interesting. This different. It is different, you know. The the you know the the relationship between the two is, is very different to stuff I've heard before. Yes, I know there'll be people saying, you know, like, yeah, but it's still it's the, the guy you trained, the the bad guy, you know, and all that kind of stuff. It's not like that. It really isn't like that. Uh, The subtext of the two characters makes sure it's not. Um, It's very hard-hitting. It it makes um, social commentary as well at the same time. So there's a message to go with the movie. It's lush to look at, um, and it's 89 minutes of two movie stars trying to knife each other into the next dimension. (laughs) uh, And it's dead watchable and exciting. Go and watch it. And yeah, of course, for your reconsideration. Great pick, James. I absolutely loved it.
1: Oh, brilliant. No, I'm glad to hear that. So, yeah, I mean, I echo a lot of what you said. So it's just a stripped-back, brutally violent thriller that is not here to fuck around. Uh, Friedkin assumes that the audience has probably seen a thriller before, so dispenses with the genre pageantry in service of quite literally cutting to the chase. Uh <laughs> Effectively leaving backstory, characterization, and emotionality to be conveyed solely through the actions and haunted eyes of his Academy Award winning leads. Obviously, it's not the same calibre of French Connection, The Exorcist or Sorcerer, but The Hunted uh, belongs on the rung just below with the likes of To Live and Die in LA. Everyone should watch it, and as we've mentioned numerous times, you can stream it for free on ITVX right now, and I would heartily recommend that you do that.
0: Absolutely brilliant! Um, yeah, please go and enjoy it, folks, because I, I mean, again, I think we're on such a strong run of interesting, unloved films at the minute. Um, yeah, for sure. And yeah. this just adds to that rather wonderful canon at the moment. Thanks, James. I really enjoyed that. Oh, my pleasure. Excellent. Um, well, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Hit us up on the, the Twitters, not X, obviously. Uh, Instagram, uh, we've got an email address kicking around here somewhere, which we barely use. Uh, oh, reconsiderpod at gmail.com. That's and the one. give us your five stars on the uh, subscription service of your choice. Um, say goodbye, James. Bye bye. Bye bye. Sorry, it feels a bit direct that. Say goodbye, James. (laughs)
1: I'm just on my way back to British Columbia just to think about all the harrowing things I've done in the past
0: With John Cena (laughs) Now that would have been it The Marine versus Hallam versus LT Triple threat
1: (laughs) Tables, ladders and chairs
0: In the woods All in moccasins
1: (laughs) Get Vince on the phone.